So let's give our attention to God's perfect word. Uh, Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you're right in saying you have no husband, for you've had five husbands and the one you now have is not your husband. What you've said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and truth. For the father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. We'll stop there for now. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. It is perfect. It is never changing. And you have purpose this morning in it in my soul and theirs. And so, Lord, I'm here and I'm available to be used by you. Please use me, Father. Please do make their hearts good soil that the seeds of your word that are sown would bear good fruit. I ask this, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, I have a question for you. I'm going to give you a list and you get to choose what you would most like to learn about. Here's your list. The game of chess. Uh, laser tag or paintball. I recently did both of those. They're a lot of fun. Uh, sports. You can choose your sport, football, wrestling. The art of war or communication skills. Now, I'm guessing not too many of you probably would have voted for the communication skills. You know, to think to defeat uh, the other person's chess king, right, in chess, or defeat a team on the, the sports field or defeat another country on the field of battle. Those all sound more interesting than holding your own in a conversation. But the reality is, we use conversational skills like in every part of your life. Is that not true? Think about your job. How much of your job involves like communicating to another human being? I mean, unless you work like in a factory where it's really loud and you just work at a machine, even then you have to talk to your boss at some point, right? Communication skills are a really important part of life. I don't know if you've ever been doing any of those and uh, you realize that you're outmatched, right? The other person is just schooling you. You don't really understand what's going on, but they're dominating you. This recent, recently happened to me. I was playing chess with Brandon, and uh, within a few moves, he had me in checkmate. <laughs> I learned a new thing. There's a three or four move checkmate trick. So yeah, so I don't know if you ever had that experience. That also can happen in conversation, where someone else is very skilled at just turning a conversation the way they want, and you're like, I'm not sure how we got here, but they're just directing this conversation. Jesus was a master at this. He was a master at at not letting other people hijack his conversations. That's what happens in this conversation. This woman is trying to hijack and she tries to like direct it this way and that and Jesus directs it back and keeps these very focused. Ever since Adam and Eve, communication has just been mangled, right? God gave us this powerful ability to communicate and it's been mangled since the fall. Now, I know particularly for guys, Right? When you think communication skills, it's not high on most guys' list. But it's really important. 
It's really important. And you know, another thing is relationships. You know your relationships, right? At any stage of life. Do you have siblings? Do you have a spouse? Do you have coworkers? Do you have a boyfriend or girlfriend, right? Any stage of life, there's relationships. And a big part of that is communication. Do you ever get in conflicts <laughs> with any of those people, right? How do those go, right? Isn't it often hard? You're like, I just can't get them to understand what I'm trying to say. And they're thinking the same thing about you, right? It's really, really important. Now, you thought we were talking about living on missions. You're like, what in the world are we talking about communication skills? It is absolutely crucial. Now, if your mission from God was like medical care or like dental work, right? Then that would be, you'd need to go to med school or get, go to dental school. But what is your mission? What are you called to do? Are we been talking about this? Remember Todd preached a few weeks ago? The Great Commission, what's it say? Go and make disciples. All right, so you need to go to disciple school. How do you do that? How, do you, how are we going to make this thing? You have to use words. Now, I know that's really obvious, but it's not that obvious. Think about it. The only way that someone can be saved is by talking to them. Like you actually have to like communicate your mouth to their ear. Right? I mean, that's the primary way that all of you were saved. I mean, think for a second. How did you come to know Christ? Was it a person? Was it a parent or youth pastor, friend or neighbor? Right? You are saved because someone talked to you. So our calling requires a lot of communication skills. Let me go back for a second and just, so we're in a four-week series. If you're just joining us, let me, let me rewind. So Todd preached three weeks ago on the what. What is, one of our core values is living on mission. But we said, what does that mean? Todd talked about that. You aren't a spectator in the stands. You're actually on the field, right? And then Brandon talked about the why. Like, well, why do we want to live on mission? He said, you're made for this. Well, that's significant if we're made for this. And then I'm looking these last two weeks on the how, trying to be more practical. We looked at three answers to that question, how do we live on mission? Three more. You see this on page seven. You can look there. You see the outline. How do we live on mission? We grow in our communication skills. Second, be prepared for smoke screens. And then third, be confident in the power of the gospel to save. So that first one, grow in communication skills. As I said, Jesus is the ultimate at this. He's just so good at it. And he does this over and over. If you, if you read the gospels, he is all the time. People are trying to trap him in questions. And, and he, like, he, just, he goes right through it. He, he doesn't answer every question he's asked. He's asked them questions and then they're stumped. It's really, really cool. Okay, so going back, we're in the middle of the story. If you weren't here last week, I got to catch up to speed. So this also covers the first three ways how to live on mission. Okay, here's the first one. That to um, be spiritually attentive in everyday, ordinary circumstances. So Jesus is worn out. He's been traveling in Middle Eastern heat. So you just think of like middle of the summer in um, Charleston and multiply that, right? So he's been traveling all morning. He gets to a well. He's like collapsing. He says, you guys go into town. You get some food. I'm going to stay here. Okay? Very ordinary. They're in town. This woman comes, a naturally sworn enemy of the Jews. She's get water. And he's like, hey, can I have a drink? This is a pretty ordinary situation, right? But he is attentive. God wants to do something. So the second thing is that to look for ways to take conversations from the present to the eternal. Right? He did that, didn't he? This was last week. He said, he's talking about well water, and then he talks about living water. He says it will well up into you into eternal life. He's talking about salvation, right? And so he takes that ordinary conversation. And so we too, we're to look for opportunities. God often has divine appointments. You might remember that term. 
right? He has things planned where you're just in the right place. One of you is having breakfast with me and we noticed the waitress's tattoo and we, we asked about it and we had this great conversation. I think that was a, a divine appointment, right? To hear about that story. And so all the time, you're just going through your days and God has things planned for you. Then finally, remember she says, yeah, I'd love the living water. He's like, oh, wait a second, go get your husband, right? And so the third one is talk about sin. You might remember that, that really awkward thing. I remember, and because and, it's an integral part of the gospel, is sin. And so he brings up the thing she's most ashamed of, things she probably wanted to talk about least, her five husbands and the man she's now with. Okay, so that's where we left off. So we're going to kind of follow along with Jesus and, and take notes in our minds or on paper on learn from how Jesus does it, right? Because you are in conflict. You have situations in your house, in your work, everywhere that you need these skills, Right, so let's learn from Jesus. Okay, so that takes us to our second point. Be prepared for smoke screens. Look at 19 and 20 again. And we'll just go through the passage, so have it handy. 19 and 20. The woman said to him, okay, he said to her about all her sin, what did she say? This is great. Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Okay, you have to laugh at that, right? Like, he's just told her, like, the thing she's most ashamed of. He's like, oh, well, I guess you're a prophet. You can, he's not, she's not excited about this. But look what she says next. Verse 20, our fathers worshiped on this mountain. What, mountains? Talking about sin. Okay, worshiped on this mountain, but you say in Jerusalem is a place we ought to worship. Now what's she doing here? She's completely changing the subject, right? I don't know if you know, on on our American tanks, the um, M1, A2, Abram tanks, on the front of them, they have two things that are um, a smoke rocket launchers, whatever. So they send off smoke bombs. Why would they do that? It's because if the enemy is attacking, it's really helpful to create a huge cloud around you, right? So your tank can get away and you're in this big cloud, right? This is what she's doing, right? Do you see this? So we're talking about sin. She's like, boom, big cloud. And she sees over here. Hey, can we talk about religion? I want to talk about just, you worship here. Do you see that? Does that make sense? We go from completely changing the subject. I don't know if this has ever happened to you. You might do this. You might do this with your spouse, Right? You're talking about one thing, and you just, it's, a, it's a great evasive maneuver just to change the subject. What do we do with this? What does Jesus do with this? Look at 21 and 22. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. Okay, he says pretty soon this question is going to be irrelevant. Right? Because what she doesn't know is Jesus just came. Jerusalem is about to be destroyed. There's not going to be a sacrificial system anymore. He is the sacrifice. And so he says, yeah, this is, so he does address the question, right? He doesn't just completely ignore it, but he quickly gets back to her. Look at what he says next. This is 23. Oh, before that, on 22, he says salvation is from the Jews. He's the salvation, Right? Right? So from the line of David, from the Jews is going to come the Messiah. And so it's not through Samaritans. They, they had perverted the worship. So he is clear. He's honest and says, basically, the Samaritans were wrong. But he doesn't like, go into this big debate about it. He immediately goes to 23. Look at this. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Okay, so now we're back to her, aren't we? He's saying, you, 
You are called to worship in spirit and truth. The Father's changing things, right? So what does she do? Now we're back to her. So we have this back and forth. So we're just following along as she, I mean, what's funny is it's as if she doesn't want to be saved, right? She's doing everything. He's trying to, to lead her to salvation and she's just going left and right. So look what she does. All right, where are we? 25. Okay, look what she says. You know, second ago we're talking about mountains. Now look what she says. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He was called Christ. When he comes, he'll tell us all things. Now, the way I read this is that she's like, this is all great. He's going to come, explain it later. It was nice meeting you, buddy. I'm going to go get my water now, right? Like, I mean, she, she's not loving this, right? She's now, we're now throwing it off to the Messiah. Hey, Messiah will come. He'll explain it all. Ha, huh, joke's on you, woman. He's, he's talking to him, right? The Messiah is standing right there. So what does Jesus say? This is amazing. He says to her, now remember who he's talking to, Samaritan woman. He says, I who speak to you am he. Literally, I am the name of God. Speak to you. So he's saying, I'm the Messiah. I'm the Messiah. So now she can't, she's stuck. She's had a fork in the road. She only has two choices. There's two choices. Either she believes that he's the Messiah or she rejects him and says, you're a liar and a fraud. I mean, at this point, she can't do anything else, right? He's just said, I am the Messiah. You know, this is important. It's important for everything from parenting to evangelism, right? That people understand. People will say like, hey, whatever floats your boat, that's great. I'm glad. I'm glad you're a Christian, right? It's, they, they want to just make it so it doesn't actually impact them. And so the ability to help people see, well, no, actually, it, it doesn't matter what you do or what you say. It doesn't change the rules. It's like if, if you're speeding, right? The policeman doesn't say, well, they, hey, whatever floats your boat, sir, but I like to drive this speed. He's like, well, here's the law, right? We're, we're under the law. The God's law applies to everybody, not just those who are Christians, not those who believe it's true. It applies to everyone. I got so far ahead of myself, I got to flip multiple pages. This is great. All right, let's find where we are. Yeah, he, he gets her to this place where she has to make a decision. I want you to notice that Jesus has kept control. Did you, did you see how he kept control of the conversation? This is really important. The ability to stay focused in a conversation and not let other people derail it. Well, there's another part is that we like to derail it, right? Now, I want to apply this. It absolutely applies in living on mission. I hope you see that. This also applies. If you think, where do I start? Well, how could I start learning about this? Here's where, at home. Let me explain. If you're married, you have a great schoolyard to learn this. You communicate a lot with your spouse. And sometimes you even have conflicts, right? And that is a great place to practice this. How are your communication skills? I'll start with the men. Men, how are your communication skills? What's your ability like to stay focused? To not put up smoke screens and to see when others put up smoke screens and to lovingly, gently be able to bring a conversation and keep it focused on one thing. This is a super important skill. Do you know our greatest need as a church? We're not a year old yet. Our greatest need is that we need elders. We need capable men to lead this church. Okay? This skill, communication skills, the ability of what Jesus did in this conversation, is high, a high value. 
you really need this. We really need this to lead a church. You know why? There's wolves. There's people that would love to destroy a church, right? They often show up in churches, right? The part of the job is to protect everyone else from people that mean harm or people that want to put up smoke screens and not address their sin. They aren't doing, they aren't treating their spouse right. And so it's the leader's job to address that lovingly and gently, right? And so this is really, really important. So men, please, please take this seriously. We want to learn this. We want to grow in this. This is really important to understand. How do we are able to stay focused? This, um, I don't know if you ever heard, Mike Tyson had this line. He said, uh, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Ever heard that line? It's a great line, right? So we all have good plans for communication. Men, how are you when you get punched in the mouth? Do you punch back? I mean, not, not literally. I mean, hopefully your spouse doesn't punch you in the mouth. But, but verbally, how do you respond? Right? Well, you all know on Sunday morning, you're all great communicators. I'm talking about like Friday night at 11 when you're in the middle of a conflict. Right? How are your communication skills? That's when it matters. It doesn't matter here. I mean, it does matter, but it matters more then. Right? That's when they're tested. And so when you're under pressure, how do you do? Women, you're not off the hook. What are your communication skills like? How are you at not throwing up smoke screens, at staying focused, not trying to derail it, and lovingly, gently, a role that both husbands and wives, and even single people, this is important for all of us, right? But if you're married, a role you have in your spouse's life is to help them grow in this area. You know, don't try in the middle of conflict. It's not the best time. Try afterwards, like wait a couple days and then say, hey, could we debrief that? That didn't really go so well. They'll agree with you and talk about it. And if you can come up with something, in some way you sinned, it always starts to better, right? Yeah, I'm sorry. I really, I shouldn't have handled this this way. And just talk and say, hey, I want to grow in this. And even this afternoon or this week, I encourage you, talk to your spouse. If you're kids, talk to your parents. You know, we're, it's important. Parents, one of your roles is to help your children learn how to communicate. To understand, they grew up in a world where anything goes, Right? You, you can blame shift, you can smoke screen, you get, if, as long as you can like dominate the other person, it's okay. Or as long as you can get away with it. That's not with the way you want to raise your kids, right? We don't want our kids to grow up like that. We want you to be good communicators. Bless your future spouse, right? And so we want to learn about this. And so this is a great schoolhouse. A place to learn is at home. And so talk to your spouse about it and say, hey, how do I do? That's a dangerous question. I dare you to ask it. How do I do at communicating? Do I do this? How am I at staying focused? How am I at, at hiding? How am I at using all these, these bad tricks that everyone learns in the world, right? We all grew up with them. The world has many tricks of how not to communicate. Remember Matthew 7, 5, it says, take the log out of your own eye. Then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. If you want to be a good living on mission person, if you want to help serve Christ, you need to first grow in your ability to communicate. If you can't, if you make all these mistakes and you can't communicate at all, it's going to be a lot harder to help someone else, like this woman. Like, think about Jesus. If you were in his shoes, could have you done that? Right? Would have you gone for the bait and been like, well, actually, let's talk about which worship to, what mountain to worship on, right? It's easy to get derailed in conversations. People love to do this. And so to lovingly be able to stay focused on a conversation is really, really important. Part of the reason I'm so passionate about this is my own journey in life. Some of you know me for a really long time, right? When I was in college, I was not the most shrewd person in the world. I was genuine. I love people, but I was not the most shrewd person. And so through the years and through lots of bumps and lots of trials, God has grown me in that. 
the ability to see through what's happening in front of me. You know, here's some questions you can ask. Why did I just say what I did? Why are they saying what they said? What are they trying to accomplish in what they're saying, right? right? Jesus had to figure that out with the woman, right? I was never any good at that. This is one reason, speaking of spouses, my wife has blessed me incredibly. She has helped me through the years grow and understand both my communication, other people's communication. That's a great way God gives us other people. If you're in a family, your parents can help you with this, right? To understand why, what you're doing, what others are doing. It's super important. So that's one reason I'm passionate about it because I didn't always have it and I had to learn it slowly. But so, so valuable. You know, single people, you have this, you might think it's an advantage. You can just ignore people, right? Or the spouse, you can't. They're still in your house. You're stuck with them, right? But single people, you can just, I'll just avoid them for a while until everyone's forgotten about the conflict. Don't do that. Even when you're single, even when you're a kid, like deal with conflict. Straightforward, You've got to learn that skill because one day you're going to be married, Lord willing, and then you're, you're going to have, have, if you've never learned when you're single how to deal with conflict, how to, to stay focused on a conversation, it's going to bite you. Okay, go to verse 27. All right, so then, just then his disciples came back. God's timing is perfect, right? If they came five minutes early, it would have ruined the whole conversation, but they come back. She dropped, look what she does. They marveled that he was talking with a woman. Come on, disciples. But no one said, why, why do you seek? What do you seek? Or why are you talking to her? So the woman left her water jug. She's dropped her jug. She went away into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. All that I see is okay. Told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Can this be the Messiah? They went out of the town and were coming to him. What's crazy about this is she's likely been shunned by this town. She runs back in and says, hey, the things that I'm ashamed of in the year shunning me for, this man like told me everything I ever did. Maybe he's the Messiah. This woman's been changed, right? There's no way she would do that unless God had done something. There's a huge power in a changed life. Do you ever tell a non-Christian friend like what God's doing in your life? Like how God's growing you? They don't have that right? If you aren't a Christian, you don't have like this, oh, the Holy Spirit in you, like transforming you, right? And that there's a powerful, and so she's doing that. She's saying, look, God is doing something. I think I just met the Messiah. So then look what happens next. 27. Okay, so you go beyond that. Um, all right, where are we? 31. Thank you for keeping me on track. All right, this actually brings us to our third point. The, the third is, be confident in the power of the gospel to save. All right, we actually looked at these verses last week about the food. Okay, so we're going to skip that. Sorry if you missed it. You can watch the sermon. All right, look at 35. This is Jesus speaking to the disciples. Do you not say, there are yet four months, then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, look up, lift up your eyes and see the fields are white for harvest. Look at Cain Bay, folks. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life. So the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. For there the saying holds true. One sows and other reaps. I sent you reap what you did not labor. Others have labored. You've entered into their labor. I love this. What's the harvest? We're talking about people. People becoming Christians, right? You know what? If gardening, some of you have vegetable gardens. If all there was to vegetable garden was harvesting, every one of you would have one. But many of you know the rest of them, that's why you don't have them, right? Well, you had to like plow the dirt, 
And you had to fertilize the dirt. You had to put the plants in. Then you had to water the plants. Then you had to pull the weeds out. Then you had to get the bugs off the plants. And then finally, after a long time, boop, you get to harvest something off of it, right? That's why many of you don't have gardens. There are times that God moves powerfully. He's even doing it right now in other parts of the world. Best I can tell, he's not really doing that in America in like large, massive ways. He's done it other times in history. But generally, it's more like gardening in South Carolina, at least in Cane Bay. The soil is terrible. That it actually takes a lot of work. It's a slow process. Right? There are times where just like fruits just falling off the vine. Like there are people coming to Christ everywhere, anything you say. Because in this season, what do you need? If it is slow, we're praying that God does something. Right? I'd love to see this change. I love that, that soon we see, that we see this happen in Cane Bay. There's just people everywhere coming to Christ. Now, if he doesn't, we need to be prepared. What are we going to do? We're going to be patient. We're going to do the slow work of gardening, right? All those steps. Is it worth it? Absolutely. Right? You think about your neighbors. I mean, I would be sad if all the neighbors that right now I know don't know Jesus go to hell. I know you would too, right? There's work to be done. And even if it's slow work, This is why communication skills are so important. Here's why. It's a slow process, right? If you just say anything and they're like, oh, I realize I need, remember the the Philippian jailer? He's like, what must I do to be saved? None of my neighbors have said that to me yet. I don't know about years, right? And so it just takes work. Think about it this way. It might be a slow process. Your neighbors might secretly say to themselves, you know what? I feel comfortable with him. Speaking of you, he accepts me. And then later they might say, oh, I like his friends. I envy their confidence. I might be interested in reading the Bible someday. Right? There's this slow, they'll never admit any of this to you. But over time, it's a process. And then they begin to look at the Bible and then they realize, oh, the Bible's not impossible to understand it like I thought it was. Jesus really is God. I think I'm going to believe in him, right? And, and I actually, I, these weren't my, my original ideas. I got that from this book, Living Proof. This book talks a lot about what we're talking about. If you're interested in it, you can grab it from me afterwards and find it on Amazon or something. But really good book. But it's this idea of this progression. And that can be encouraging because what's hard is they don't admit that, right? Your neighbor doesn't say, hey, I just decided that you're okay. I just decided that I'm going to give God a chance finally. You might get hints of it. And it just, it's like gardening, right? Isn't it painstaking? I mean, you're, you're working, you're like, one day, one day, kids, we're actually going to get something off this vine. I promise. As long as the bugs don't get it, right? It's slow work. And so I just wanted to encourage you that we need to, to and so we work on our communication skills. But here's another thing. You know what? Remember me back in college, I was telling you? I wasn't all that shrewd. But you know what? Love, I really genuinely love people then. That it is really powerful. So if you stink at communication, it's okay. Love, people realize when you love them. They're great communicators. They don't love people. No one, no one cares about them, right? So if you really genuinely love people, even if you blunder talking about Christ and you do a terrible job, they're like, that guy makes no sense, but I know he loves me. <laughs> and they'll give you a chance and they'll give you time. And eventually, because I mean, the reality is who saves them? It's not your words anyway. God does it. And so it, that's a, I want to take some pressure off of you. We want to grow in our communication. I want you to grow. Your, your spouse wants you to grow in communication, Right? But it's not the only thing. God does the work. And so as we see that Jesus has this a great communication, we want to grow in it. Look at the very, very end there. Look at 39. So we're back to the story. Many Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. 
So the Samaritans came to him. Look at this. They asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. What started as just a quick stop for lunch. He's now there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it was no longer because of what you said that we believe. We have heard for ourselves. We know that indeed the save, that he's indeed the savior of the world. That's what your neighbors need, right? right? They finally realize Jesus is real. Like this stuff isn't made up. Now some of you might be in that process. Some of you might not be saved yet, right? You're in that process and, and you realize you're here. So you at least realize that church is at least worth showing up to, Right? You might not be convinced of the Bible yet, right? So there's a process. And we're not here to put pressure on you. We're here to walk that journey with you. It's okay if it takes a while that we want to let you really understand what's going on and let the Holy Spirit move in you. But never underestimate what God can do. Look here, what started is just this little quick stop. God saves many. And so I want to pull it all together. after I find where we are. We've covered so much. This is great. If you looked in your bulletins, you probably found this. Did you find this in your bulletin? Grab this. So as we wrap up this series on living on mission, we wanted to leave you with a few resources. Um, Turn to the side that looks like this. This is a little definition of what we mean by living on mission. Some Bible verses that explain it. But then you see some blanks at the bottom. That's for you to write some of your friends' names on. So think, even right now, think of a few friends that don't know Christ and that you know well or that you want to know well, that you have regular interaction with. Don't put like Aunt Susie who lives in Alaska who you see every 10 years. Like put people that are around you that you actually have a chance to interact with, okay? Whether they're your neighbors or schoolmates or people in your teams, right? Put a few people and begin to pray for them regularly, and you'll be amazed how God will give you opportunities, especially when you're looking for them and you're praying for them. All right? This is a great way that our church can live on mission. I mean, think about this. If even just half of you had one person come, think about how much bigger the church would grow. How many people that don't know Jesus? You know, lots of churches grow by like transferring people from church to church. We don't want to do that. Right? We love the other churches here and we all are of one mind. We actually want to see the lost people come into any of the churches. Right? And so begin to pray for your neighbors. The other side, we want you to one day get to the gospel. You can do it in one verse. You see this picture here? That's Romans 6.23. One verse, one picture. You can scan that QR code and it takes you to this. It's just a one-page PDF that looks something like this. It explains how you can explain that. If you don't already have a way to explain the gospel, start with this one. It's really easy. You just take one verse and all the words are there. You just write it out. So I want to leave that with you. You know, I, I hope it's been fun and you've enjoyed looking at Jesus. He's really amazing, isn't he? Well, next week, we're actually starting a new series. We're going to look at the book of Mark. We're going to look at a lot more of Jesus. It's a really fun gospel, so it moves fast, and it, it, uh, it covers a lot of ground quickly as we learn about Jesus. So that's where we're headed. So in conclusion, brothers and sisters, I want to leave you with six, counting last week and this week, six practical ways you can live on mission in your everyday life. Look in your in regular circumstances for divine appointed moments that you can talk to people, get to know them. Two, take conversations from the present to the eternal. Talk about sin. People need to understand that they need, a, they need salvation. And then the three from this week, grow in your communication skills. Look for opportunities. Start at home. Be prepared for smoke screens. Know what to do when they come. 
Be confident in the power of the gospel to save. God really is still saving people. Even if it's slow work, there's still a harvest. All of you are here, right? God is still working and he's not done yet. I long that God would use us as a church in our community, that as we do tiny little baby steps living on mission, that God would do something we would never, ever imagine right now. Let's pray that he does. Let's pray together. Lord, Lord, we, we are not the best communicators in the world, me included. Lord, we're, we're growing, we're getting better, but Lord, we need your help. I pray at home you would help us. You'd help us, with those of us that have spouses, you'd help us lean on each other and grow with our kids, kids with their parents, kids with each other. And then Lord, help us with our neighbors and friends to, to use those same muscles, to begin to talk even about awkward things, even when they don't agree with us. Lord, we pray that you would do what we never could do, that you would move in our neighbors and friends, that they would be saved, that one day they would be sitting with us, singing praise as we're about to do. They were created to do that. I pray that they would. Lord, please move in us that we may get to participate in what you're doing. In the name of Christ, amen.